Hello everyone, it's Mark, and I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of The Eclectic as a Podcast. And today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the return of the NFL and the recent games in the NBA. So with the return of the NFL, we got our first game, which was the recently crowned Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs versus the Houston Texans. And it kind of went as expected with Kansas still being on that role that they had from the playoffs all the way through the Super Bowl with them winning 34 to 20. But I think the main thing with that first game was pretty much everything around it during the game and also before the game. So before the game, I think everybody saw during the summer, we had Patrick Mahomes sign a 10-year contract that could give him around $500 million at the end of it. And then you had Deshaun Watson, who, well, from the Texans, who ended up getting a four-year extension that would give him around $156 million. So yeah, yeah, two high-paid, well-deserved quarterbacks. But I think the other thing that people were maybe talking about, at least on the Texan side, is the fact that that contract extension for Deshaun Watson was maybe more of a, I guess, distraction or stop the bleeding type situation since they had recently traded his main primary target in DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona for pretty much nothing. I think they ended up getting back what some picks and a bad contract for a running back who hasn't done anything in four years and David Johnson. So it's definitely definitely going to be a rough season for the Texans and I think Kansas they're pretty much going to be on that same role and may only have to deal with, I think, Baltimore or maybe some other surprise team in the AFC for them to not get back to the Super Bowl. But the other thing about the game that happened during it or right before the game was they were the first two teams that obviously found their way to protest since the NFL has decided to not put any type of pressure or any reprimand on how anybody wants to protest. So I think Kansas, they decided to stay on the field and I think only like one person took a knee where the Texans, they decided that they were going to stand out on the field or even be on it for, I guess, the new national anthem that they're trying to play and also the regular national anthem. But right before the game and once the, the anthem all passed and everything, both the teams came together and decided to hook arms to show a sign of unity. So Kansas is one of the few teams that are allowing a small amount of their fans to show up to the game. And during that moment of unity, which had no flag, no anthem playing, no anthems playing or anything, you could only hear nothing but boots. So that's just a reminder for everyone that even though with the protests going on, and even the players coming to some agreement with the NFL ownership and also just the NFL commission, they're still going to be people against protesting in any way. So even with the players, I guess, not disrespecting the flag or the military or the anthem, people are still going to boot. So at this point, I think that game kind of showed everyone with all the players and not just the NFL, but any sport, and what people outside that aren't a part of the sport that are protesting is that these people don't care about the flag or the anthem or actually the military. They care about people not trying to give people of color, but mostly black people, 
any type of support in trying to get social justice and social equality. So unfortunately, that was a big stain on the return of the NFL. But I think with the NFL backing how players can protest, I think it will be something that will just be washed over while the season goes on. So, with the rest of the games slated for week one, obviously I had to watch my team, the New England Patriots, and the new quarterback that we recently got for pretty much dimes and Cam Newton. So, Patriots won 21-11, and you can obviously see the change in the offense. I mean, we're doing a lot more running, and I think we're just going to wait to see what happens with at least the wide receivers because I think Cam still obviously has to get used to the change in the offense and at the same time Josh McDaniels the OC also has to get change get used to the change that he has to do with the offense because when you go from Tom Brady a quarterback who pretty much lived in the pocket for two decades to Cam Newton maybe one of the best dual threat quarterbacks that the NFL has ever seen you're obviously going to have to get used to changing up the offense. And I think the way Cam looked, his arm is definitely good. He's definitely healthy. And you don't see really any damage. He hasn't slowed down at all. So that's why getting him for the cheap deal that the Patriots got by picking up his contract, because I think they're only paying him like $1 million. And obviously if he has some incentives to his contract to where he can possibly get I think at the end of the season, $7 million, and that's if they don't decide to give him more money because they can obviously restructure his contract. But, um, yeah, he's going to be exciting to watch. I mean, I think we just have to get our receivers. We got to get them more adapted. <laughs> that's the best to say. And not just on the short passes because obviously Cam's arm is, can go deep. But I think just... The problem they had last year was they were either too young, like Nikhil Harry, for one, well, the guy we got in the first round last year, and they just weren't used to the offense. And I think just that in this other year will kind of help them out, some of the young guys. But also, I think we just may have to pick up or possibly trade to get a veteran deep threat. So I think, obviously, the Patriots still can make the playoffs because the AFC East isn't <laughs> the most competitive place to play in the AFC. So it's always going to be open for whoever has the most talent. So another game that was played during the first week was the Seattle Seahawks versus the Atlanta Hawks. Seattle won 38-25. And again, Atlanta is just looking like a team that's not fully committed to blowing it up. But for some reason they think they can compete and they're just not going to be able to but with Seattle it's hard not to say that Russell Wilson won't be in the running for MVP I mean it's kind of hard when you have Patrick Mahomes who is obviously going to be a front runner for it Lamar Jackson and even Aaron Rodgers but he just looked amazing in that first game and Chris Carson their running back he definitely looks like a do-it-all player and not just on the running side but even as a receiver he was looking great and the steal they got in the trade with Jamal Adams from the Jets 
as a safety, I'll say he's he's definitely amazing. I see why he wanted out of the Jets, and I also see why Seattle was willing to give up two first-round picks and even a third just to get him. So Seattle, they're definitely going to be good on both sides of the ball, but the NFC is always kind of like a crazy shootout to see who makes it out to the Super Bowl. So I don't know how long this will look real right now based on just game one. Next was the New York Jets versus the Buffalo Bills. The Bills won 27-17. Um, Josh Allen still kind of a loose cannon but still solid type player. Um, I think he had like 300 yards passing but at the same time had some crazy turnovers. Like I saw one where he literally like was on the run and then for some reason like threw it right out of his hands right into a defending player's hand so he's still kind of a high risk uh high reward type player but he's definitely going to be i guess a threat for the in the afc east when it comes to who's going to make it out between them and the patriots but with the jets it's definitely um still kind of a jets being the jets and that's being bad right now um, so Sam Darnold definitely doesn't look like somebody that deserved to be a top quarterback choice in that recent draft that he came out of. But at the same time, though, he's in a bad situation. He still doesn't have any weapons, and he's he just hasn't shown any type of improvement. So hopefully um, they both do bad, so the Patriots do good. <laughs> I'll keep it at that. Let's... um. Make sure that the AFC stays kind of open for the Patriots to make it. <laughs> so next we had the Bears and the Detroit Lions. So Detroit Lions definitely looked like they were going to run away with it. And somehow Mitchell Trubisky, the quarterback who's kind of like on the hot seat. So he's definitely trying to prove himself this year. He went off in the fourth quarter to get three touchdowns and seal the game. I mean, even though the Lions had their chance with uh, Matthew Stafford possibly throwing the game winner to their rookie running back, DeAndre Swift, who ended up dropping the ball in the end zone and killing the game. But you have to respect Mitchell Trubisky. He's um, definitely uh, another high-risk, high-reward type quarterback. But, I mean, when you go for three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to win it, he still has some leeway to keep his job right now. So the next game was the Green Bay Packers versus the Minnesota Vikings. And Aaron Rodgers definitely looks amazing. He's definitely somebody that's going to be in the conversation for MVP. I mean, that offense that he was pulling off with the lack of weapons that he really has, except for his running back was just amazing especially since minnesota definitely has a solid defense even though he ended up dropping i think like 300 yards on him and the passing and finished the game with four touchdowns so he's definitely hasn't lost a step even though he's aging and also on year two with the of a new coach with minnesota i think their offense has just gone stagnant ever since they traded Stephon Diggs to the Bills. So I think Kirk Cousins is definitely going to get exposed 
when it comes to tighter games this upcoming season because he doesn't have that safety blanket target that he had in digs. So the next game on the list is Philadelphia Eagles versus the newly named Washington football team. <laughs> um, this is another game that kind of went crazy. Carson Wentz definitely just went on a turnover rate that didn't make any sense and pretty much gave the game to Washington, who ended up winning it 27-17. He had a bunch of bad interceptions and pretty much killed the momentum that the Eagles had when they were pretty much on top without any type of like fight back from Washington in the first half. So Carson Wentz is definitely going to have to not be the superhero that he's trying to play because I think he's definitely trying to prove himself because of the big contract he got and also the looming cloud that was Nick Foles that pretty much got him the Super Bowl ring that he has. So I think he's definitely going to be playing super hard to prove himself when he should just, you know, play at the talent that he is. Because he's a great quarterback, but when he's trying to do too much, it's going to cost the Eagles. So next we have the now Las Vegas Raiders, and they played the Carolina Panthers. They won 34-30. I guess, uh, I think that was more just coaching-wise. I think John Gruden versus a new coach that Carolina has and Rule, I think his name is. I think Rule is on his second year. So I think that was a matter of coaching because I think they, the Panthers definitely had a couple chances to close it out, but just couldn't and just ran the wrong place. And when I look at Carolina, at least going for the rest of the year, I think it's just they're, they can be all right. I think they can just be, their aim should be better just to be better than um, Atlanta. But I think when you have Teddy Bridgewater as your starting quarterback, he's going to be more of the game manager. I mean, you have Christian McCaffrey, you have him locked up, so you don't have to worry about losing him. All you have to do is just keep him healthy, and you're mostly going to have to focus the offense around him when it comes to Carolina. So the next game was the Colts versus the Jaguars. This was a game that I'm pretty sure not too many people watched or a lot of people didn't watch. They have their one-year contract with Philip Rivers, formerly of the Chargers, for $27 million. So he's pretty much supposed to be the veteran that's going to possibly finish his career with the Colts and hopefully do something for them in the playoffs. Well, they end up losing to, losing to Jacksonville on a crazy interception that kind of just set up Gardner Mishaw of the Jaguars to pretty much seal the game. I think with the Colts, they, I think they maybe kind of jumped the gun when it came to Phillip Rivers. I know he has the experience and the talent, and a lot of the older quarterbacks that are still in the league are still very competitive, but I think they maybe gave up too early on Jacoby Brissett. I mean, they're getting a healthy T.Y. Hilton back, and I think they may have some other weapons there. But I think paying Phillip Rivers, somebody who's obviously has the stats but doesn't have the actual wins to back up paying him $27 million for one year, 
it doesn't really help them compete in the long run. So next we have we had the Cleveland Browns versus the Ravens. The Cleveland Browns, I think the hype that people were expecting is going on year two now. I mean, they have the talent, but their quarterback seems like he might be the main issue. They end up getting washed 38-6. Baltimore with Lamar Jackson still looks like they might be competitive to at least challenge Kansas City for that spot to get into the Super Bowl. With Cleveland, it's just what what is their goal? How do they fix the team? I mean, they're on their third coach in three years now. It was Hugh Jackson last year. It was Kitchens. And I don't even know the name of the new coach right now. I have to look it up. But, I mean, Baker Mayfield, he's just... I think he was just a one-season type of wonder. I think the fact that what Cleveland only won seven games his first year was kind of hyping people up. The second year, they get Odell Beckham Jr. They have Miles Garrett, who's showing that he can be a great defensive player. They have Jarvis Landry and also Nick Chubb, who are also great offensive weapons. They have all this talent, but it seems like the weak point is there's no, like, a consistency and it's hard to even say consistency is just like it just doesn't seem like they're working at all i mean odell Beckham jr hasn't had a hundred yard game yet in cleveland and this is his second season there we know he's talented but is it his quarterback jarvis landry he went from being known as that top underrated talent that he was in miami to a second guy on a team that doesn't even look like being the second guy matters because the first guy isn't showing any talent. So I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Like, I don't think their season is going to go good at all. I don't think they're going to be competitive in the AFC North right now, especially with the Steelers being back with Ben being healthy. So I think they're just kind of a team that's filler just inside their division with Cincinnati. So next was the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Los Angeles Chargers. And you had the number one pick in the recent draft in Joe Burrows from LSU. And he looked all right. I mean, we weren't expecting him to look amazing due to the fact of just how bad Cincinnati is. But the fact that the team could have actually won with them actually having what a few passes that were solid and also a touchdown run where he pretty much went untouched for like 20 yards. So he has the talent, but he doesn't have the talent around him except for AJ Green. And I kind of feel bad for him because he had a solid game just for the kicker on their team to lose it for him horribly. I mean, the kicker looked so bad and then he tried to say, Hey, I hurt my hamstring. And if you looked at the film, at the game losing field goal, he grabs the wrong hamstring. So everyone's trying to say like, yeah, he just wasn't warmed up or anything like that. But it's like, when you see the kick, you see what leg he kicked it with. And he says, oh, I pulled my hamstring. It's like, you're grabbing the wrong leg on the film. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. I think Cincinnati, 
they have a decent future with um, Joe Burrow. I think he'll be definitely a great quarterback. They just got to get him some more talent, especially on offensive line. I mean, he definitely got touched a couple more times than I think you'd want your lottery franchise quarterback to be touched in his first game. But um, he should be great. Yeah, I definitely see why he was the top quarterback taken. The next game was pretty much the game built up to be, I guess, the hype builder for the entire return of the NFL and two teams that I guess are supposed to be not just in competition to win the division they're both in, but possibly winning the entire NFC. And that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Tom Brady and Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints. The game definitely went horribly. (laughs) Tom Brady, he definitely looks a little bit off, but I think it was mostly due to him not having time to get acclimated with his new offense and his new players around him because he definitely has the talent. I mean, he has Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and he has his safety blanket and Gronk who's definitely lost his stuff <laughs> and he also ended up with a decent set of running backs with LaShawn McCoy and Leonard Fournette I think again that's just their team is going to get put together right even though he had I think he had three interceptions and also one for a pick six so I think that was just a matter of all right, they have to get used to each other and playing a team that's one of the most elite on both sides in the NFC and the Saints was definitely not the right team building game for him to try to get used to and build chemistry with because the Saints, (laughs) I mean, even though their playoff history in recent time hasn't been the best regular season, they're still one of the top teams in the NFL. So, Drew Brees still put up the stats and broke a couple records like he usually does for quarterbacks. Um, Michael Thomas didn't have the best game, but he also got injured. So there's that. Al Kamara, he showed why he deserved the extension he got. And their defense has been solid like always. Marshawn Lattimore completely wiped Mike Evans out of the game. And Cam Jordan was just disruption for the entire offense that the Buccaneers were trying to run. So New Orleans, they look like their regular season selves. It's just with them, it's all about the playoffs. Like they can look amazing in the regular season like they have these past, I want to say three seasons, but it's the playoffs for them that really matters. So winning this game is just them, one, putting Tampa Bay and all the media in their place for trying to hype up the Bucks, but also just them getting into form like they usually do for the regular season. Oh yeah, the score was 34 to 23 Saints. It actually should have been 41, but they called back a touchdown on Alvin Kamara for some reason. So yeah, on to the next game. The next game was the Arizona Cardinals against the 49ers. Um, The 49ers, I think they are still looked at as a team that can possibly be a threat to get back to the Super Bowl, but this first game did not look too good for them. I mean, they just looked stagnant, and that's why Arizona was able to pretty much steal the game away. Kyler Murray on his second year, 
is definitely looking solid. I mean, he already had Larry Fitzgerald, who's always just been the, I guess, the peak wide receiver and top talent that you would want, even on what year 17 that he's on right now. And the fact that he has DeAndre Hopkins also helps him out going into this season. I don't know how good Arizona will be going on to the the rest of the regular season because Kyler Murray, he's still on his second year and obviously he's still learning. And I think with them being in that NFC West is kind of like weird on how they can compete because they've shown that they can at least compete with, I guess, the top defense that the 49ers had. So they can obviously compete with Seattle and any other team that they'd have to play. But I don't know if they have the experience to make any type of run towards the playoffs. Next, we had the LA Rams versus the Cowboys. At first, I'd like to say I'm definitely, definitely amazed that the Rams making a $5 billion football stadium in Inglewood, California. So hopefully that gives the people more opportunities to actually work and also just have more things to do and not just have to go to other places in California to actually get entertainment. So on to the game. It was a close game, but it definitely looked ugly, especially with the expectations for the Cowboys who ended up losing 17 to 20. Um, Their defense definitely still looks awful. Even though they held the Rams 20 points, they just looked like they gave it up to just a decent below barely below average Jared Goff and the Rams offense they had a few injuries I think on their defensive side I think the main thing that everybody was talking about with that game was the PI call on Michael Gallup when he was going up against Jalen Ramsey that kind of set up the Cowboys to lose especially when they had what a few series later down when they ended up throwing it to Ricky receiver C.D. Lamb, who ended up being just short of a first down. And I think that was when they tried to go for it on the fourth. And pretty much, I think they kind of like have the Cowboy fans kind of panicking and they're thinking that even with the new coach, with them finally getting Jason Garrett out of there and replacing him with, with um, Michael McCarthy from the Packers, they kind of look exactly the same. I mean, that still looks like the solid, all right, place filler quarterback. And Zeke still looks decent, but I don't think he had enough touches. But they look exactly the same. There wasn't really any type of scheme changes or any type of like anything that just looks different from what Jason Garrett did. Because, I mean, when they still have the same OC from the Jason Garrett era, that, I think that's another thing that kind of, like, scares their fans. It's like, is he really just going to do the same thing that Jason Garrett was doing? And I'm talking about Mike McCarthy. I don't know what to say about the Cowboys. They're just lucky that they're in a horrible conference where they could literally just have to win nine games and they would be in the playoffs. So... I think Michael McCarthy just has to set up his own system for the Cowboys. He can't just depend on the same things that the players are comfortable with 
that they were doing with Jason Garrett because obviously that didn't work. So the next game was the Tennessee Titans versus the Denver Broncos. This is definitely a game I didn't watch at all just because I assumed that it was going to be bad. I mean, the Broncos are, I guess, still kind of in a rebuild mode trying to figure themselves out. But it was actually a close game. Um, they ended up, it ended up being a game that was only decided by two points. The Titans obviously won, but Drew Locke looked decent. Ryan Tannehill, for some reason, still looks decent. <laughs> it's crazy as that sounds. And Derrick Henry, he looks like he might be on the same role that he was last season. The Titans, I think they're just like that possible threat in the AFC. They're not really trustable, <laughs> if that's a word, <laughs> to where you think they can make it to the Super Bowl. But at the same time though, they'll make it hard on either Kansas or Baltimore when it's time for the playoffs. Like they are still that type of threat where it's like, if you beat them, then you might be heading to the Super Bowl or you'll be heading to the conference championship at least. And then the last game of the first week was the Steelers versus the Giants. The Steelers won 26-16, but Ben Roethlisberger, he definitely looks, he looks all right. He looks solid, but it's, it's hard to completely evaluate how well he was just because of the Giants. The Giants really aren't competitive at all I mean they just don't look like they're any type of team that's going to do something for the rest of the season I mean even with Saquon Barkley he kind of got pretty much neutralized in that game like, I think he did more yards as a receiver than actually as a running back for a while from the few that I watched in that game the few minutes he was actually in the negative when it came to rushing yards. Like, that's how bad that offensive line for the Giants are. But at the same time, though, I have to respect the Steelers' defense because you got T.J. Watt and Ninkovich Patrick, <laughs> if I said his name right, leading the Steelers' defense, and their defense was, like, the only good thing about them last year without Ben Roethlisberger. Again, I think... The Giants, they're kind of just like, they're going to just wash out the season. But when it comes to the Steelers, they can be at least like in the running for a wild card at the end of the season. Just because you got Baltimore still in the same division as them. And I think Baltimore is just way too ahead of them because Lamar Jackson is just that dynamic. But they can still make it into the playoffs because I think the what Ben Roethlisberger brings is stability like the two quarterbacks that they had trying to fill in for him last season were just awful and it definitely showed with the play of Juju Smith Schuster like Juju he looked awful there was definitely like talks about seeing like all right we definitely understood why he was the number two guy behind Antonio Brown but when you saw him play against the Giants he definitely looked like, all right, he's comfortable because he has a quarterback that he can actually depend on and not the two rotating quarterbacks that just didn't have it at all last season. So for week two, I'm going to make some <laughs> random picks. <laughs> I'm not an expert, so I'm just going to be throwing some picks in the air. The first game of week two is going to be the Cleveland Browns versus the Cincinnati Bengals. 
I think the Browns win that game just because of talent and experience. I think Cincinnati is just way too bad of a team for the Browns to slip up against. Like That's going to be the Browns give me, <laughs> at least one of the give me's for the season. Next will be the Patriots versus Seahawks. I I'll, I want to say the Patriots just because it's my team, but at the same time, I'm willing to say Seattle just because of the defense. I think our defense on the Patriots can at least contain Carson and Wilson, but I think with the Patriots still not having that super elite wide receiver yet on the deep side, I think it's just going to be kind of like contained, especially going against um, Jamal Adams. So I'll say Seattle gives us our first loss of the season. Next is the Giants versus the Bears. We have to the Bears because, again, the Giants are just that bad. Next, the Falcons versus the Cowboys. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys can mess this up. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go with them because <laughs> right, I, I still don't trust the Falcons at all to really do anything. Like, I'm just waiting for them to finally just blow it up. But <laughs> it is a possibility that they can maybe get it rolling. But I'm going to go with the Cowboys on that one. Next, the Lions versus the Packers. And I'm going to go with the Packers just because Aaron Rodgers. That, that's it. <laughs> Next, the Titans versus the Jaguars. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it to the Titans. Like, I think that... Obviously, that Jaguars win was more on uh, the Colts just slipping up, but I don't think that the Jaguars are able to catch the Titans slipping at all. Next is the Vikings versus the Colts. Uh, I'll give it to the Vikings just because of their defense and just because I don't know how good the rest of their offense is on the Colts. I mean... When I can only think of T.Y. Hilton and not too many other people in their offense, I don't see how they're able to go up against a solid defense that the Vikings have. Next, you have the Bills versus the Dolphins. Again, this is a game that I wouldn't have a problem with the teams tying. <laughs> but I think the Bills will take it because I think Miami isn't willing to really change up. And I think the main change they need to do is obviously give their first round pick to a from Alabama an actual shot because I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick is really somebody you would want to hope your season can roll with at least towards wins um so yeah the Bills when it comes to that game next we have the 49ers versus the Jets and the 49ers that's it um, next, we have the Rams versus the Eagles. Um, I'm going to go with the Rams just because of defense. I mean, Aaron Donald is definitely just a nightmare to go up against. And I think he's definitely going to make it um, hard on Carson Wentz to just sit in the pocket. And next, we have the Broncos versus the Steelers. I'm going to give it to the Steelers, even though I think it's going to be a little bit more competitive than the Giants, but I'm still going to go with the Steelers. Next, you have the Panthers versus the Buccaneers. This game is going to be 
a little weird because I think this is going to be the game where Tom Brady kind of figure out his team a little bit more and the Panthers just based off the game they had against the Raiders where they put up 30 points they might actually make it a little competitive but I'm still going to go with the Buccaneers just based off talent and experience next you have the Washington football team <laughs> versus the Cardinals the Cardinals I think when you have two teams that are both kind of led by um, with Washington having Dwayne Haskins I think I'd rather trust the Cardinals with Kyler Murray having the two weapons that he have with um, Hopkins and Fitzgerald on that game next we have the Chiefs versus the Chargers and the Chiefs the Chiefs are pretty much gonna wash this game out next we have the Ravens versus the Texans another wash Ravens are pretty much gonna walk in and walk out with a W against the Texans then the last game of the second week will be the Saints versus the Raiders um I'll go with the Saints even though they're not gonna have Michael Thomas I think their defense will definitely handle Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs but the Saints can just you know survive on their offense because they still have Emmanuel Sanders at wide receiver and Alvin Kamara they really don't have too much to worry about when it comes to the Raiders and that's pretty much my take on the NFL so on to the NBA so we got our conference final set up in the east you have the Miami Heat versus the Boston Celtics and in the west you have the Los Angeles Lakers versus the Denver Nuggets when it comes to the Eastern Conference finals Miami versus the Celtics that first game was definitely definitely kind of went as expected two teams that I feel as though they definitely clash in every way on a good way where you have players that kind of go one-on-one-on-one on one on one that kind of have decent matchups against each other it came down to experience and I think with Jimmy Butler and even Jay Crowder being the more experienced players compared to I guess Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown you kind of see what happened in clutch time um what I think if I remember right Jimmy Butler hits a three to sends it sends it to overtime and pretty much the overtime kind of went all Miami even though it finished on I think three points so it could have been tied up at the end but Miami showed the veteran presence but at the same time though I think Boston can still challenge them I think this series can possibly go to seven and you're going to get a whole bunch of tight games it isn't going to be one team is going to wash the other one it's always going to be a back and forth battle when it comes to these two teams so the western conference well first we got to talk about the games in the semis so the lakers one and five and i think it was just more of the rockets just imploding more likely i mean you had the situation with daniel house who ended up being kicked out of the bubble due to having an unauthorized person <laughs> a female being in his room so he ended up being investigated and then obviously shipped out 
And then just them just falling apart. I mean, Westbrook definitely turned into his horrible side that everyone has always ripped apart. And I think James Harden, he's definitely again showed why his stats really don't matter because I don't think he can fully control a team, let alone lead one. Like he still got some of his points in the games, but when it came to the closeout games, the games where they need to fight back and win, when they're trying to look towards James Harden, James Harden couldn't show up. So they went out in five in horrible fashion and pretty much set up the Lakers to get to the place that they kind of set their mind to, and that's the conference finals. So the other semi, the one that was, <laughs> it's hard to say exciting, but it was just like, a crazy semis and that was the Denver Nuggets versus the LA Clippers so the Clippers pretty much since 2019 of that summer have pretty much were like one of the favorites to make it out of the West and were pretty much the team that everyone liked at to possibly stop LeBron from even getting close to the finals they lost they were up 3-1 against the Denver Nuggets who had literally just came off another seven game series where they came from 3-1 against the Jazz and they literally kind of just blew it. They had one game they were up 16 and then they lost. The next game they were up 19 and they lost. And pretty much that set up Denver's chance for the game seven where they won by 20. When you look at the way the Clippers played during that series, it was more of they don't look like the team that everyone kind of praised. And what I mean, I don't mean by the expectations, but I mean by the versatility. When you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two players that are considered the two best defenders in the entire NBA for what these past couple years, maybe like the past five or six years with the two of them, when they can't contain a Jamal Murray or a Nikola Jokic, then the team's gonna fall apart. We've got two six men and Lou William, who won it three times, and then this year's six man of the year and Montrez Hero, who both couldn't do anything. Like during that series, Lou Williams was putting up single digit games and getting just tortured on the defense to the point where you could pretty much say that Denver was targeting him. And with Montrez Hero, he's the energy guy. He couldn't give them any energy because he was getting just manhandled by obviously Nikola Jokic and even the rookie Michael Porter Jr. a couple times. So when your top two bench guys couldn't do anything, it's kind of just going to all fall apart and that's what happened. So the team's expectations obviously fell through, but it was just, I think everybody kind of enjoyed the misery of them because it kind of gave everybody a reminder that this is still the Clippers like this is the same Clippers team that we've seen for like the past seven years it's just a different unit I mean with Lob City we thought all right you got Blake Griffin DeAndre Jordan Chris Paul and a few other decent guys for what, what was that four or five years and the closest they got to the conference finals was Obviously, <laughs> um, they lost the same way as this team, and that was 
a game seven where they lost in the conference semifinals. Then you had last year's team, the most recent one. They were a young team that was kind of just ripped to shreds because of all the players they lost, DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, and Chris Paul. But they still were able to go to seven games with Golden State. So it's just been this year's team was just a reminder that the Clippers are still the Clippers. Like that name is still going to stick with them. Because I think now it's been officially 50 years since the last time the Clippers have been to a conference finals. So that just shows you that the name is... The name of the franchise actually means something. You can change it around, but sometimes that karma and that, I want to say, just voodoo on the name is always going to hold them back because I definitely would have thought that when you put the team together that they had with a rising Zubac, um, a solid, solid Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, you got one of the Morris brothers, and you also picked up Reggie Jackson, who... Some of the names aren't the greatest, but they're solid. And they will definitely be players that would be starters on other teams, but are willing to accept the role as role players when you have all of this talent and also two players that are legitimate all-stars all put together and you lose to a team that's literally their, I want to say their second time being in the playoffs or second or third time being in the playoffs. You let them come back on a 3-1 series you have to look at this team completely different or just have to look at them as, all right, that's just the Clippers. That's that's their history. That's what they are. I mean, it depends on how you want to look at them. Like, I look at them as a disappointment um, of a team that's been built up to be way better than they could have been. But there's some people that are going to get their jokes off and say, well, it's still the Clippers. And so with that looming loss still over their head, we got to think about their head coach, Doc Rivers. He's been there seven years and still hasn't been to the conference finals. Um, with the Lob City era, I'll give him some type of pass simply due to the fact that every time he had that three of, of Griffin, Paul, and Jordan all together and the team was rolling, one of them would always seem to be injured. One year it would be Griffin, one year it'd be Paul, one year it'd be Jordan, then another year it'd be Griffin. It's like every time they would actually have a chance to make a run and obviously looked at as a team that could make a run, one of their their core three would always get injured. So that's something that I think you have to look at when it comes to his Clippers resume. And last year's season, you obviously can't really hold that against him because the franchise had finally got rid of the old core. Like the fact that they made the playoffs and actually went to seven games with the Golden State with Kevin Durant was actually just amazing. But this year, I think with the talent that they had and with them having the best free agency and also what they had to give up to get Paul George, I think they're going to obviously put some type of fire under Doc Rivers because you can't have a team, you can't be the coach of a team that's been in the playoffs, I guess, seven years straight and still collapse when you have the advantage because this is the second time with the Clippers that he's given up a 3-1 lead. The first time was 
in 2015 against the Houston Rockets. And I think that one looks bad because that was the last, last super highlight of Josh Smith of his career. Like, he was literally like the sixth man of the Rockets and just gave it to him <laughs> and literally flipped that series to Houston's way. And the fact that this recent one was actually the third of his career, I think everyone is going to start looking at Doc Rivers like, how is he still coaching this team? And recent news said that the Clippers are obviously going to keep him, but it's like, I don't know if that's a good thing. Like, I obviously don't think they want to switch coaches because of the team they still have. They still have Kawhi and Paul George, at least for another year, unless they both decide to opt out. You don't want to give them a new coach unless you can get some, like, super amazing coach that can actually work for them. And I don't know who you can grab that can get them into a title contention unless they're trying to snatch away somebody like Brad Stevens or Popovich, which I don't think that's going to happen either way. Like, I don't think there's a coach out there that can get them to a championship right now. So it's better to stay with Doc than trying to get a new coach. So, on to the conference finals. With Miami, I think Miami and Boston, I think Miami wins it in six just because of the experience that's it i think the experience is what's going to have them set and just their style of play they're definitely i think just a little bit better on defense than boston because right now i think the main player that's kind of like the tipping skill that can help boston is kimball walker and kimball walker has just looked bad in this entire playoffs like except for the philly one the Philly series, he's just looked bad. Like, even though he's had a few games where he just looked like his old self, where it's like, yeah, we got Cardiac Kemba, but majority games in Toronto, against Toronto, he looked bad. The recent game against the Heat, in the first game, he looked bad. And I think it's because of how the teams are playing him. They're pretty much saying, all right, we know we can do something with Tatum. We can do something. We don't have to really worry about Brown and Smart too much, even though they've been hot. It's like, we can't let four guys get hot on us. So I think what the Heat are doing is they're pretty much containing Kimber Walker, and they've been good at it. And that's why I say they'll win at six, because I don't know how they can, how can Boston get Kimber Walker rolling when you would possibly have to take away from what Tatum and Brown and Smart are doing. So it's kind of like a weighing issue right now. And I think he's just been there. He's, he's their tipping point, but at the same time, he's been their biggest liability because on defense, he's been getting torched. Like the first game, just against the Heat, you had Goran Dragic drop 29. I think that right there kind of tells you how much his value, Kimber Walker's, is. It's like he's either going to be the reason they win or he's going to be the reason why they lose. So that's why I see, again, Heat and six. So the Western Conference Finals. 
Lakers versus Nuggets. I go Lakers in six also. With this one, I think it's a matter of the actual duos playing each other. Because I think, obviously, the Lakers have the older team with the veterans. But Denver doesn't have an actual way to stop LeBron. And I think when you have Jokic versus AD going back and forth, I'd rather give it to Anthony Davis. Like, I think, obviously, Jokic, being the point center that he is, can have a game where he doesn't have to score that much, but he can still get the offense rolling. I think that will kind of keep Denver in it, but I don't know how they can possibly set up a plan to stop AD and LeBron at the same time. Like, that's going to be the problem. I think LeBron definitely got himself rolling against the Rockets because he definitely looked off a few games, but at the same time, he would still be able to get a triple-double. He'd still be able to get 20 and then 30 points. So he, I think he got his stride against the Rockets, and I don't know how this Denver team can play against them. But at the same time, though, I don't think the Lakers should feel comfortable after seeing what they just did twice coming back down 3-1. So I think with having LeBron compared to the Jazz having Donovan Mitchell or the Clippers having Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, I think LeBron is definitely going to put the series away if he ever has the advantage. Like, he's not going to take the night off if they're up on game three he's going to make sure that game ends and if that means he has to play like 38 plus or possibly even 40 plus minutes then he's going to do it and i think the rest of their veterans have just been solid i mean you have the other morris brother the only morris brother left who's been solid uh playoff rondo <laughs> definitely somebody who's shown that he deserves that playoff title um, he's he definitely showed up against the Rockets, and I think he'll show up against the Denver Nuggets. But with Denver, I think the main thing that the Lakers gonna have to watch out for it's going to be Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. Like, I think obviously I think Michael Porter will definitely be a lot more minimized than Jamal Murray, just because he's a forward where Jamal Murray is a guard, and I think that's where the Lakers kind of are still a little bit weak at. Um, you have KCP, you have Rondo, and that's to have Caruso all coming off the bench, but can't forget Danny Green. How many do you think can actually, can you throw at them, I mean, throw at Jamal Murray to slow him down? I mean, he just got done beating Donovan Mitchell, and he also just got done torching Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Like, his confidence is on another level. So I think Lakers can obviously win this in six, but I think another thing that they'd have to watch out for is just not being comfortable. Like they can't just say, all right, if we win this first game by a lot, then we know what the series is gonna look like. Like, no, you can't do that because we've just seen this twice when it comes to this team. Like you can't be comfortable around Denver. Because Denver can easily possibly flip whatever magical switch they have in their head to say, like, we're not trying to go home. And I think the phrase that <laughs> everyone's kind of afraid of when it comes to Jamal Murray that he said was when he was packing his clothes and he was floating, he was looking at his bag and said, I don't want to go home. 
and that pretty much led to how they beat Utah and he pretty much said that maybe is what he said to himself when he beat the Clippers so you can't be comfortable that's the main thing like that's what's going to happen with the Lakers team if they want to win they got to put them down and give them no type of hope like they have to go into every game just putting their will on them because the Lakers unlike the Clippers still have that chance of actually making it out of the West and I think more than anything LeBron would want to say alright I got this team with that was just kind of just put together and also with Anthony Davis to be able to go to the Western Conference Final in his second year with the Lakers would be another accomplishment he want to put on with all the other records that he broken recently so that's that when it comes to the NBA yeah a lot of sports definitely glad to have more options now definitely like the, <laughs> the sporting options um so with that I'll wrap this episode up remember everyone stay safe also remember register to vote so hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and hopefully you listen out for the next one thank you again and i'm out